Can you start it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, welcome to Sierra uh, Nova Comics Podcast, episode 14. Today we have uh, Joseph with us. Uh, so, Joseph, tell us uh, who you are and what do you do? I'm Joseph Dewis. Uh, I'm a, uh, by day, I'm a government bureaucrat. And um, <clears throat> so at night, I, I, I make uh, indie comics. I'm a comics writer and a letterer and publisher. Very cool. And uh, right now you're running a Kickstarter? Yeah, I'm running a Kickstarter uh, for our newest comic. Uh, it's called Super Heresies. It's a collection of three uh, self-contained short stories uh, using public domain characters from the Golden Age and uh, linked by existential themes. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, And you're, um, and you're part yeah. of uh, that other one that um, Taurus Comics is doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's also one going on right now um, that Kyron Silver from uh, from Taurus Comics is running. Uh, that actually wrote the script for that one. Uh, it's called Donner Lane. Um, so that's the the premise is um, you know this this rookie cop and his grandmother gets run over by a reindeer. And he starts thinking about uh, uh, he starts investigating it, trying to figure out what really happened, and it gets into all these family secrets and. Um, it was kind of fun to write. It's probably something I never would have thought to write myself, but uh, um, but uh, Kyron's really into Christmas, and so uh, <clears throat> he wanted to say like, "Hey, let's do like a version of this story where it's just like really kind of tragic that somebody's grandmother gets killed by a reindeer." You know? So <laughs> yeah, <That's great>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, yeah, yeah. So I kind of. What? Hey, what was that? Oh, uh, I was talking to Greg. <laughs> there we go. I just yeah, sorry, sure. yeah. He's following his questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I've seen, like, posts from multiple people, and they ask, like, the same question. Like, is there a bad time to run a Kickstarter? Um, so there's conventional wisdom about it. Uh, certainly uh, around Christmas is a bad time, and Thanksgiving... Um, that's, I kind of see that. I've seen people do it then and kind of struggle. Um, a lot of times they put up, uh, extra days to kind of make up for it. Um, there was one guy I saw who had to raise, I think 10,000. Um, and he did it over the 60 days, December 1st to the end of January. And he actually made it like, it took a long, long time and it was very painful, but yeah, he actually made it. Um, (laughs) I think the only, time, only times I've ever run them um, were July, August, uh, February, February, and January. And this is the first one done in November. Um, so there's another another group of people that will say, don't run anything to Memorial Day and Labor Day. Um, you know, like, uh, but I just did it anyway. Uh, so so uh, I didn't feel like it was too bad of Oh. It was Halloween themed. It started in August and um, ended in September, and that was uh, that was my most successful one. And I think part of the reason is that it's like August is people kind of start thinking about Halloween. Um, so uh, you know that was that one was pretty good. Um, I did one in July that was that was okay. Um, so I don't think those months are as bad uh, as like the Christmas season. Um, I, I, I guess the closest I did, it went the end of January. Um, that was kind of a quick start. It was two weeks and it was okay. Um, but it started like the last week of January. So by then it's kind of, you're kind of out of the season, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this first one in November, it seems, it seems a little tough, but we'll see. I'm ending it. I'm ending it before Thanksgiving at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, when we first started this whole company, <laughs> I didn't think you needed a following or anything, so we made an Indiegogo. Well, I made the Indiegogo. He's like, you're retarded. I was like, thanks. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're going to raise $15,000 or 10000 or whatever. Or it was 15000 at that time. And uh, he's like, that's not going to work. And I was like, yeah, it is. It didn't work. We got like $200. And I was like, thanks, Mom. Yeah. Um, and uh, then the next year we ran, because that was in 2017, then... 2018 we did a kickstarter for 
a bunch of different things. So we we learned from that one, mostly. Um, we already knew that we needed a following. Uh, so we learned not to do a focus on five different things at once. We were trying to get money for, like, comic conventions, uh, get, like, a gazillion comics printed at a time, um, and a bunch of other stuff. So if you just focus on one thing that, like, helps out a lot and then you don't like ask for ten thousand dollars like off the get because people aren't gonna just give you ten thousand dollars for like not knowing who yeah. the fuck you are so yeah uh yeah i mean i might have like been pretty small goals um, yeah relatively and but you know the first one i did i didn't really know how to do it either um i, I did 33 days um which is a long but uh and I, I had a goal of I think uh, twenty one fifty, and and that's probably the highest goal I've had. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I did a digital only because I didn't realize that people, uh, some people were like refusing to buy digital and wanted to print. So I did digital only. Um, I went overcharged for everything. Um, I I took me twenty one days to fund it out of thirty three. Really, the only thing I did. Uh, right was I gave myself a little time to kind of fumble through it because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. It was like the only time uh, I was. That's the only thing I did right with it, and I think the only reason I succeeded is because I had like enough friends and family, and it was the first line, and and they were kind of like, you know, wanted to help me out. They haven't all mostly all been back, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like for the first time, it's like you know, it, it, it was helpful. But yeah, it was like that. It was like 21 days to find it and out of 33, and it just like seemed like, you know, it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Um, this past Kickstarter that we did was way better because we planned it ahead of time because I actually followed his instructions. Um, uh, yeah. He reads like a lot, if you can't tell by the bookshelf behind him. Um, and yeah. there's a book called The $100 Startup. And I followed that because there's a checklist thing on uh, his the author's website. And it's a 39, technically 40 step of uh, like a launch plan product, for like product anything. Launch. Product launch. Yeah. But um, I took, I actually made a blog out of that and I took 21 steps from that that actually relate to comic creating whatever, uh, Kickstarter. And uh, I made a blog out of that and... I followed that and it worked because we got funded. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, a lot of it's about networking, about, about, you know, it's interesting. Is that, like, if you, the more you kind of talk about the process, it's actually kind of better for you. Um, you know, like the first, I think the first one I did, it, I didn't really talk about uh, the progress of campaign or, or anything like that. And uh, this was really tough. And then the second one I did, it, really kind of talk more about um where we were in the campaign and how well we've been doing and and um how we were doing the things and, and, and it was a little better um so it's actually really good to be transparent it's 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 something that's not really natural to me for sure but um but you know you see people you see people that do it and, they, and they're pretty successful uh, you know the problem is it kind of takes a lot of time um it takes a lot of your time um, to run a blog or do a podcast or um, YouTube channel or, or whatever you know it's just it's a lot of time it's a lot of effort yeah oh yeah it's definitely it's definitely worthwhile though because that's the thing like if people are gonna go read comics then they think like first thing that comes to mind is Marvel DC so if they're gonna connect with an indie comic then they want more than just a comic book story they want to be able to connect with the author the artist the writers and actually, like, you know, be involved with what's going on. That's kind of how you can pull people in a lot a lot better without, like, the huge brand name backing you. Yeah, you know, I've been reading, uh, I've been reading a lot of stuff about, um, is there an echo? Yeah, it was a slight echo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been reading a lot of stuff about, um, <clears throat> about, uh, you know, independent creators, marketing, and things that, and, um, yeah, that's definitely true, and and it's interesting because it's almost like against against the conventional wisdom, you know. Um, I was talking with my friend yesterday. We were talking about um, how John Bolton didn't show up for his uh, his testimony, 
And he's like, oh, he's writing a book. He doesn't want to give out all the best parts. And I'm like, you're supposed to give out all the best parts. That's how you market the book, you know? Um, but then I was thinking about it. I was like, well, he's John Bolton. He's selling it on, the, on, the, on, the, on his name. He's not selling it on the contents of the book, you know, um, which is the complete opposite of what we have to do. We have to really show everything, you know. Um, I'm, I'm running a webcomic where I put uh, most of what we print uh you know, in print comic form, I put out on the webcomic. And, um, you know, people people look at the webcomic and sometimes they still want to buy the PDF or they still want to buy the print copy, even though they have the whole story there. Uh, the <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, that's really what it is. That's why they want to connect with you because then they're supporting somebody, not something. And people right. can back, back a person. It's hard to back, you know, something uh, that, you know, isn't a person. <laughs> Yeah, and you know I've had the best responses to my to my emails when I talk about my kids or something, and I don't really talk about. I'm not really trying to sell people stuff, you know. Um, now if you read the book Launch, um, they kind of talk about that process where if you put out something that just kind of gives content to people, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to your product. Um, you know, like you uh, like you have a blog post every week about something that's helpful. Uh, support you in the future. Just lost you for a second. You said you put up a blog post. Uh, um, so yeah, so whether it's a blog post or an email or whatever, um, uh, you should do that regularly, and then uh, people will want to support you because you know you're just constantly giving them something of value. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I talk about that all the time. With is uh, a um, social media uh, marketing business owner named Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but. He, uh, he basically gives out so much value that I've like just bought random stuff of his that I don't need just because it was yeah, like yeah. I want to give something back. Like how do I like it's like how do I give you my money? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a guy that I know that um that I work with and he's like he's like I go to a, he mostly he buys some comics he mostly buys uh, tabletop role playing games but uh, he, he goes to conventions and I'd be like. I just want to go to a convention and just buy stuff from everybody because I want to support like the independent, um, you know, the independent um, creators. And I was like, this is like the best customer, you know, ever. Because <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, that's just what you want. You just want people to be like, um, you know, like I've been to cons. Like I, there's one here that's uh, every six months. Um, it's in Kentucky, actually, every six months. And so I've been there three times. I'm about to go four, and. First time I went there, it wasn't too successful, but like people kept, it, but it's free admission, so it's like the same people keep showing up every time, and um, then they kind of start buying stuff from you. There's one guy who always shows up, and his daughter likes my stuff, so he just buys everything new. Um, you know, so there's just like you know, if you make that connection with people, um, there was one where I went to a, I went to a convention in Clarksville, and it was like a really bad convention for me. Um, and the guy, then like the hot dog vendor came up to me and he was like, I want to, I want to, I want to buy this comic. I said, okay. Um, and I, and I, and I sold him the comic and it was the only comic I sold them at the whole, like two days. It was terrible. <laughs> and then, um, and then I saw him a month later at a different convention. He's like, oh, that comic was so great. You know, uh, uh it was the one in Kentucky. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm there. So, so I was like, I was like, wow, like, you know, it, it just, people have to be used to you and they have to kind of, you know, be convinced that you, you have stuff that's interesting to them and, and then they'll, they'll kind of come on board, but it's slow. But get there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is, it is true though. Like, even if you have great work, if nobody knows who you are, like, it's gonna, it's gonna take a minute for someone to, you know, learn, learn who you are, then like who you are, and then yeah, the no like trust thing until they'll give you money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I have people. Oh no, I have go, people go. Who are like, who are like, yeah, let's, you know, um, and like I'll, like I got a back on Kickstarter, and I'll send them something, you know, I'll, I'll do the fulfillment, and then, um, I get a message back. He said, yeah, just tell me whatever you're doing next, like I'm gonna buy it, you know. <laughs> and it's pretty weird that you see those people, but you know, when you do, it's like, okay, now I actually feel like I'm, I'm making some, you know, making making some progress you know yeah, yeah that's awesome and that feeling i'm sure is awesome too <laughs> yeah yeah 
Um, so are you making comics because it's your passion or is it just like a hobby? Um, I guess it's kind of both. Um, it, it's, it's my passion, but it's probably going to be a hobby. Um, in the sense that I'm probably not going to do it full time ever. Um, you know, because you look at people who are doing it full time and I'm like looking at my job and I, you know, I make six figures. I have a very good benefits package. I have a pension. I'm already halfway through my career. So, you know, and I look at people who are successful and they're making about a, successful at comics and they're making about a third of what I'm making. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just like, all right, uh, I have to feed my kids. So uh, listen, I, guess, I guess I'm not going to do it full time. Uh, you know, I do, I do want to make it so that it's like a source of additional income because uh, we all need that. Um, I'm not quite to that point yet, but uh, um, that's certainly something that I want to do with it. Um, I want to kind of do it, do it better as a business. Um, but I, I don't think I'm ever really going to have time to spend on it full time. That was very cool. It's actually interesting because we've had a lot of creators that like that's their ultimate goal, but it's cool to, to like anyone could be a comic creator. That's why it's very cool uh, to just get that, that side of it. Yeah. And I think I wanted to, wanted to do it full time uh, not too long ago, but I just was kind of like, you know, why am I doing this? You know, like, like, and, and also if you have a day job, you can do whatever you want with it, uh, to some extent, you know, um, you can sort of, um, not like I have extra money or anything, but, uh, <laughs> but you can sort of take a chance on it that you wouldn't necessarily be able to if you're living hands amount, you know? Yeah. Well, the nice thing too, is that it, you know, it all depends on what you want out of it, but yeah, like having it, be your source of income can sometimes, you know, devalue it for some people and, you know, things like that where like, if you know that you have to pump out a comic every month just to make ends meet, then it might not be the same enjoyment you'd get if you just have a steady source of income. Like, I'm assuming you at least enjoy your job a little bit. (laughs) Um, I mean, not particularly. uh... (laughs) I get there. Uh, did we lose? Oh, it, it, there we go. Uh, yeah, I've been through several different jobs um, since I've been with the government. Um, no, it's not great, but whatever. I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever. Nobody likes their job, really. So, <laughs> hey, I like my job. <laughs> well, some yeah. You know, there's always got to be somebody, doesn't there? Yeah, I work for myself though. So. <laughs> I got, I got yeah. a really good boss. He, he gives me uh, nights and weekends. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but you got a terrible boss, right? Yeah, I got the worst boss and the best boss. Yeah. <laughs> he's so lax, but sometimes it's like, hey, like, are we supposed to be doing something? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so, no, I, so, yeah, because I do the writing and the lettering, um, like when I'm a writer, I, I you know, I write, I write certain things, and then when I'm a letterer, I'm like, what is wrong with that guy? Like, what does he think he's trying to do? Put all these words in one panel. This doesn't make sense. You know, like, and then I'm like, I hate that guy, you know? They're like, that guy's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why I have to be uh, the editor for Greg's writing because he does that all the time where he'll just put, like, just loads of words. And I'm like, dude, you, this is like six panels at least. Like, what do you, what do you think is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because I beat myself up about it. But then I go and, like, I don't buy mainstream comics too much anymore, but I maybe maybe do twice a year because of the free comic book day and Halloween comic fest, and I go and I, I like you know buy a bunch of comics. And, but otherwise, I don't really go into comic shops that much. So I go in there and I read some like DC or Marvel comics, and I'm like, why am I beating myself up over this? These guys have like ten times the amount of words that I put, you know, in a in a panel. Um, and and I think usually they have smaller font sizes than me, but still, um, it's uh, it, it's kind of frustrating because you're like, like um, you know, why is this comic so decompressed? Why is there like three panels on every page? You know, um, whereas like if you're making an indie comic and you're like, I have to pay for that page, like you know, I'm not gonna make, <laughs> I'm not gonna put three panels on the page unless it really really needs to be, you know? So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, speaking of that, outside of uh, struggling with uh, your, your own work, what do, you, what do you think indie creators struggle with the most in general? Like, uh, you know, whether or not it's, you know, critiquing themselves or uh, working with others or... Um, well, I think we struggle with both of those things. And uh, although, although I think I think comic creators are actually a lot better at working together than than maybe like authors. Um, uh, although authors are better at cross promoting, um, but it, it looks like comic creators. Um, it, since it's kind of a collaborative thing anyway, um, I think are okay at that. I think the worst thing that comic creators are good at is marketing. Um, Yep. So I, I know that I'm not great at it, uh, and um, so, and and it seems like they're not really paying attention to larger marketing trends. I think part of that is that they're just so into the grind and and so kind of got their nose down, and they want to produce more and more and more, um, which is part of it. Um, but at the same time, you know, sometimes I I feel like I almost have to take a break. And, and just kind of figure out like what am I doing like am, am I making this so that anybody would want to read it and you know if so how do I reach those people you know because a, a lot of the things that we do um, it's very it's going to be a very specific audience and you really have to think about you know first of all it's got to be somebody who reads indie comics second of all it's got to be somebody you know which is hard enough um, and then, and then it's got to be somebody who, um, you know, like with the Sierra comics, you want to you want to read a story about a conspiracy. Um, so it's got to be these uh, specific types of people, and I, I think you, it's really worth thinking about how do we find those people? How do we connect with people? Where are those people? You know, where do these people? Um, I guess. Yeah, where do they congregate? Um, I, I was trying to think of an analogy like where do they, where do they play and where do they work? And, um, you know, in terms of their online activity, you know, um, you know, like I like I know I go onto like Facebook and I'm just like scrolling around all day. You know, I go onto Twitter and it's like I'm looking for news. Um, you know, so I, I use those platforms like completely differently. Um, so I, I think it's kind of worth thinking about um, where do people go. Um, you know, and, and where are different places to reach them uh, instead of just kind of all being in one place and, and how you have to think about how you interact with them, you know, when they're in different places online. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, that, that Gary Vaynerchuk person I was mentioning before wrote a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook, all about, um, you know, giving value and, and then eventually ask. So the jab is like provide value. The hook is the ask. And uh, what he talks about is like he breaks down all the platforms. It was written back in like 2000 like 11 or something and uh so it's, it's a bit outdated but the the um ideas are still the same and the point is like whatever someone goes to a platform for give them what they're looking for so don't yeah. don't be like don't go to twitter and just be like buy my comic like no one's gonna buy your comic nobody knows yeah. that nobody knows who you are go away <laughs> right there's other stuff i'm looking at but if you do something like you know you provide uh, you know the onion you know what the onion is yeah 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 that like fake news source that intentionally makes like funny things but like people follow that on twitter and it's hilarious but like that could be one of the things you do on twitter is almost like a, a news alert about your comic and then you're then you're matching the medium and making it interesting enough and uh the interesting thing about that is that um, all those platforms that that use learning algorithms for their advertisements work the same way they do for promoting post and so if you make uh, an ad that people actually like, they will charge you less and show more people it because it's keeping people on the platform. And so it's, it's actually a, it, you know you're doing well when you're not paying a lot for your ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's one of those things like, you know, if you're successful, you're more successful. If you're not successful, you're less successful. Um, and, you know, so, so getting over that, uh, getting over that is is a hard part. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, it's funny you mentioned the, the onion. So I used to live um, outside of DC, and we were. Uh, it was like, I guess it was early two thousands, and the onion would have uh, you know newspaper dispensers everywhere. 
know. Um, and so, like, actually, I would actually, on the way to work every day, I would go get on the train, and at the train station, there would be uh, a newspaper dispenser, and the onion would be in there. And I'd pick it up, and i read it, you know, on the way to work every day, uh, or every week. But, uh, but yeah, so, so, like, so, like, I would collect these, and then every time my dad came to see me, I would be like, oh, here's all the onions, you know, and he would read all of them. And uh, and then like they stopped doing it because they just went like all online, and uh, and then my dad kept going to me like, "Where's the onion? Where's the onion?" I'm like, "The onion is online. It's always been online. You know, you could always you always could have read it online." And he was like, "Oh, I don't want to read it online. Like, I can't find anything there." You know, so I'm like, you know, it's actually really funny that you know of all the newspapers out there that they were the one of the first ones to get off the. The, the paper train and be like, all right, let's go online because clearly this is where you can actually make money. <laughs> and it's funny, like, they're not even a real news station. <laughs> like, it's just, everyone else yeah, is like, no, paper will live forever. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, or like the Daily show, show, you know, where most people get their get their news, from, more people get their news from Daily Show uh, than somewhere else, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, something that uh, we worked out with our comics was, um, like coming up with uh, like guidelines and rules for our universe, meaning like uh, something simple we did was we removed religion just so that we didn't have to deal with its context and its possible ramifications in our uni- universe. Um, and we've done other things like uh, right now we have a map of our city, a 3D map of our city, so that we can ensure um, that things make sense. Like if you turn right on Elm street after three blocks, you'll reach whatever the other street is, but it's always the same street, the same buildings are on that street. Uh, if there's a chase scene and they have to go a few, a few moments, then we know how far it was like fun stuff like that. Um, but do you have any like, uh, rules in your comic books that you try to stick to, even if they're not like that, like those are oddly specific, but like, do you have any fun quirky or, you know, uh-huh. specific ones? You know, I think if you guys should make a tabletop RPG, that would be cool. Um, but, but uh, no, I really don't. And, and so, so I, I mostly do horror comics. This comic is a little different. Um, it's it's almost like uh, we took sort of horror and crime storytelling techniques and applied them to superheroes, um, with them, them still being superheroes. Uh, so, um, but mostly do horror comics. And, and so, so what I, what I sort of did was I set up. I have I have kind of a formula when I do horror comics is when I I set up the rules and then I break all of them. Uh, so 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 uh, you know it kind of gets people into um, into kind of this idea where where all their assumptions are are not true at the end. Um, so so I don't really have rules. Um, uh, I guess for the superheroes stuff, uh, um, the the main rules of the of this world are essentially like that it's kind of metaphorical for the super comic superhero comic book industry generally um so uh you know um it you know the main story is fixed up in 1951 and it's right sort of at the last gasp of superhero comics um so you have the characters kind of unsure where their place is in the world um a lot of them they you know one of the, one of the reasons i use these golden age characters is because in the golden age, the tropes about superheroes weren't really fully established. So you had some characters that um, had, you know, a code name, but but didn't wear costumes. You had some characters that wore costumes that didn't have a, didn't have a code name. Um, some characters that uh, you know didn't have secret identities, and some that did. Some of them that didn't even fight crime; they just fought in a war. Um, you, know, you had some of them um, that were really pure, really pure espionage or war stories more. Uh, than they were about, you know, the sort of urban um, crime stories that we're more used to. So, uh, so what I, um, so what what I did with this is, um, after the war, they're kind of, you know, they keep going, but they're and they kind of adapt to fighting crimes and saboteurs and spies and stuff like that. Uh, but um, but they're really kind of unsure about where the place is in the world. Um, some of them have just retired entirely, um, and and so that's kind of the setting for the main story that takes place in 1951, which you know in our world was pretty much 
uh, the end of superhero comedy. He had, he had a handful that survived, but in order to survive, they really had to become really vanilla. Um, you know, you had uh, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, um, and, and they were just completely new to by the comics code. Of course, that was a slower process, but, but by then it was really firmly entrenched. So, um, so the, the only real rule I had is it was going to be metaphorical and it was kind of going to be um, a meta narrative. So, um, you know, I, I was thinking kind of having um, in the future ones, they, they may be like somewhat aware of the fourth wall. Um, and and the, the, we don't get that in this one, but, um, but that kind of thing. Uh, and also uh, the other rule I had was to kind of make it stylistically look like a golden age comic. So, so we're making the same dimensions as the Golden Age comic. Um, we're, we're, we put a half tone filter on all the pages so that it looks like um, it was done in the old colors. Yeah, color separation process. Um, <clears throat> the only thing I didn't do that I really wanted to do is I wanted to make it 52 pages, so I never I didn't really get there. Um, oh, 52 yeah. pages for each for each comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, I got to I got the 26 um, with a couple of extra back matter pages um, with this one. Um, because I rose a 50 page is going to be like a really big project. Uh, so, so I'm hoping maybe to, um, you know, do kind of like double the content and, and kind of re-release it later on. So like a bigger comic. Um, and something else we did was we wanted to make all the stories really short. Um, so to kind of simulate the early golden age where you had like a lot of, uh, these comics are anthology comics and, um, they'd have, you know, 10 stories of, that it would be, six pages long and uh that was that was something else we wanted to kind of do is to do that without kind of without making them like you know simplistic storytelling uh it's to just make them kind of really short so we have one that's 12 pages and that's a team story and then we have um a duo story that's nine and then we have a, a solo story that's five so uh they're they're all pretty short um you know but i also didn't want to do that they did a lot in the golden age was kind of ignore character development. So, so instead we, we have, um, you know, one story that's very kind of world and action focused and one, it's kind of a balance between character development, um, and action. And one that's just a very character development, um, uh, focused. And, you know, one of the, one of the great things about these characters that, you know, uh, I think one of them had hand appearances, um, and never had an origin. So, uh, <laughs> That was that was something else at Golden Age Comics. Sometimes they just didn't bother giving characters origins. They had very very loose continuity. Um, but then the rest of them, most of them had one or two appearances ever. So uh, so we were able to kind of do some character development with them because they just were abandoned. <laughs> That's actually very cool too, because uh, you almost bring back the nostalgia by you know just having the characters while giving what people actually really enjoy about the comic books now, which is the fact that they're adding all this in-depth thought. Like, the few that survive, the reason why a lot of people like them is because they know so much about them now. So to take, like, old characters that don't really have uh, a place and then give them a place is very, very cool. Yeah, and most of them, they take place uh, after their last appearance. I think one of them, one of them is before the first appearance, uh, but... But yeah, most of them, uh, it's kind of after last appearance. So, you know, they've, they've had lives and stuff. It's been, um, you know, five to ten years since they really had their first appearance. Um, so they've grown up and they had lives. You know, that I guess that was another rule we have, was that the characters have to age and they have to grow up. And, you know, um, and, I, and, I, and I didn't want to take them too far out of their, you know, like I didn't really want to do World War II stories, um, but I, because everybody does it. So I really wanted to do... Um, early Cold War stuff, um, late 40s, early 50s, um, maybe in the future we get to the 60s, but that's probably going to be the farthest, uh, to just kind of show these characters aging over time and um, and what happens with them. And and I guess another another rule we have is that we're not going to have like a huge cast. Um, we probably won't have more than a, a dozen or so at the most, and most of them are not going to be fully developed. But, uh, but yeah, so... You know, it's it's the assumption that there isn't like a huge, you know, and, and it's basically in the real world. Um, it's not like an old history or anything. Um, um, I mean, where they had an impact on the world, but uh, but everything turned out pretty much 
in a way that's familiar to readers. Um, you know, with with a with the horror stories, I like to put them in the real world because people can relate to the real world. Um, superheroes, um, you kind of have to have a balance between whether it's grounded and whether it's fantastic. Um, so, uh, you know, it has to be familiar enough for people to understand it and, and, you know, without, like, coming to the first page um, and being like, what's going on, you know? Like yeah, I, I, I kind of close to like the uh, the original Captain America, where he's just kind of in war with people, but like it doesn't change what you know about history. It's almost like there was just this warrior you didn't know about who was amazing. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I oh, lost yeah. Your I was, yeah, I was saying that uh, it, it's um, it, it, it feels like more going towards the Captain America where it's like it didn't change anything he's just in the war and you just didn't know about the fact there was this amazing fighter but like all the same events still occur yeah yeah um, so the, our, our, our one story in the comic that takes place in World War II uh, it takes place right at the end of the Battle of Stalingrad in uh, 1943 and um, so um, at the, at the, and it's the last day it's like the day that the Germans are negotiating um you know they're they're negotiating the surrender um, because they've lost the battle. So so um, so they the characters kind of mention that, and um, uh, I had to mention it at one, at one time, like you know, yeah, the Germans lost. They didn't count on Octobriano helping us, and so um, that was a character that we didn't really use. But I just wanted to like kind of throw in another public domain character, um, so to kind of show that yeah, th- things kind of went the same way, um, but it, you know it was balanced where there was there were people on both sides, you know, so, um, so that was, uh, something that we just kind of wanted to throw in there that it was, you know, there's things going on that are fantastic, but it's still basically the real world. That was very cool. You're great. You got the next one? Yeah. Um, since you're talking about the fifties and everything, uh, like Mad Men and all that, that was a good show. Um, if you could time, I haven't seen Mad Men. Oh. But I haven't seen my men. But I, I think I want to. I think I need to watch it because um, I think I would have said so many stories in the '60s, and I really want to. Actually, so so we were gonna have a fourth story in this, um, and it's about Dash Darwell, who has a super speed, and he travels back in time from 1962 to 1922, and um, and so uh, in 1950 he finds a journal that 1962 him wrote in 1922. Uh, and so he actually has three different fashions because the character doesn't have a costume and he doesn't have a secret identity, so he changes clothes all the time. Um, so uh, so he actually has like uh, a 1960s fashion suit on, the 1962 version, and then he has a, a 1950s, early 1950s suit on. Um, uh, and I, and um, I just I just love doing that, like kind of showing the characters, and we did that with um, with Amazona in the first story too, because she doesn't have a costume either. Um, but in her story, which was in 1940, original story, she had 1940 style dress on. Um, we changed it so it was more of a 50 style uh, dress in our story. But um, but yeah, I absolutely love fashion and kind of watching fashion trends and stuff like that. And um, um, so when I do more of these stories set in the 60s, like I think it'd be cool to kind of show these. These characters from the '40s and '50s, maybe maybe some of them had gotten off the fashion train, and, and some of them didn't. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could time travel to any time and anywhere, like once and only once, where and when? Oh, can I come back or no? Yeah, yeah. But you can only time travel to like well, that one time and place. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> like you're stuck there forever. Uh, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. It's a hard question because, you know, I, I, I have a bachelor's and a master's in history, so that's kind of where I uh, come from with all this stuff. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I don't know. I, I might. I might. This is probably a bad answer, but I like to. I, I'd like to go see P.T. Barnum's original traveling show in the 1830s. That would be interesting. <laughs> uh, and also kind of horrifying from an exploitive standpoint but yeah um, that would be interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> and also it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like terribly dangerous to go to I don't think so 
Yeah, maybe I'll watch that through a looking glass. I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be at a distance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch that on TV. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Greg has, uh, Greg always likes these lightning round questions, so I'm going to run through them t- this time. But uh, basically, uh, the goal is just to spout out whatever you're thinking of uh, right after the quick question. So, what's your favorite food? Yeah, that's what you were passing there. Uh, um, chicken dumplings. Chicken dumplings. Oddly specific. Nice. Favorite <laughs> indie comic right now? Favorite indie comic? Uh, the Pale. Um, it's a. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have read that. It's um. It's a uh, husband and wife team into it. It's a. Uh, it's a story about a face blind FBI linguist um, who goes to this small town in. Uh, I think Arizona, where the the local police are like completely incompetent um, to try to uh, investigate these serial killings. So, um, so it's interesting because he's he doesn't he doesn't he can't see people's faces, so he has to pick up on these um, non visual cues and stuff. I would probably read that. I like serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, they, I hope they don't like you too much. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and what is that one? That is way too long of a lightning round question, Greg. What is that? Yeah, I know, right? What? <laughs> he, okay, so I, I'll I'll figure out how to ask this. But this is uh, he, he wrote the Industrial Revolution changed the face of the modern novel forever, and then he just like <laughs> discuss citing examples. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know where you got that. The changed the modern novel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. How, how, how so? And uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. Uh, definitely, because of mass production uh, of the printed word. Do you not know where that's from? Me? <laughs> Either of you? I have no idea where that's from. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! Wait, is that from Billy Madison? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was at work yeah. and I was bored, so I was like, I'm gonna just throw this in there and see if anyone gets it. Yeah, business <laughs> ethics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. that's pretty funny. <clears throat> Alright, yeah, you can ask the next question. <laughs> um, so earlier we were talking about marketing. We actually talk about marketing a lot because that's the one thing that we're trying to fix with indie community in general um would you pay for like marketing services for like social media so you could focus on the creating part and only the creating Uh, part you mean you mean have i or would i no would you like would you get like um i i might it 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 depends um um it depends how much it is and i think it really depends on if there's a proof of concept um, you know, it just, it, yeah, it depends on cost benefit, really. Yeah. Uh, so, so what, what if it was more like, uh, you had, you had infinite money and it was more like just saving you time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that I definitely would then. Um, yeah. Just curious if you uh, yeah, this marketing time. aspect or, uh, if you were, were, could hand it, if you would hand it off or if you could hand it off, you would hand it off. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely would. Um, there, there's a handful of these. I mean, there's a ton of them that are scams. Uh, but yeah, there, there's, a, there's a. I think there's a handful of legitimate ones um, out there. Uh, I haven't, I haven't really done it too much. Um, you know, but, but it may be worth it. I mean, <clears throat> because, you know, I mean, you think about how much is your time worth. Um, you know, and is is it is it going to be is it going to be worth it for you in the long in the long run? Is it is it going to make you more than cost you? Um, it both in time and money. Um, then I think definitely yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's like it's like we can make you reach all these people really fast. That's uh... <laughs> like those people you get when you first launch a Kickstarter. We can help you get fifty thousand backers. Like no, they can't. 
And actually, um, so you were saying that uh, you're the creator and designer of the story in the letter, right? So you do the writing, or do you also have uh, other people to help you with writing? Um, I do the writing uh, and the lettering. And then I also do stuff like the layouts and and, uh, file conversions and stuff like that. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So um, how how do you go about finding... um, artists and uh like do, do you do you do um because i know there's like you can get stenciling inking coloring all separate or you can get people that just ink it up right off the bat or they'll design it in like illustrator like how do you go about um finding people and what's the process you go through with that um mostly through social media uh, most of the social media um i i have at this point i have a a couple of artists that'll go back and forth between um because i know they're reliable um and i know they're within my price range um so i usually do somebody does the pencils and inks uh, and then then somebody else do the colors uh so so i usually have a two-person team on each story um so i think we have a total of and this one we have three stories We've got a total of two line artists and two colorists uh, on this one. Um, the colors are pretty, pretty simple uh, because it was just like flat colors, because we wanted it to look like a golden age comic, so it was flat colors, um, which is something anybody can do. But you know, you probably want to hire somebody for it because it's extremely tedious. <laughs> I, I tried to do it myself, and it was just like, it's just like I, I don't have time for this, you know. Um, and it's relatively inexpensive compared to like the full rendering uh, of color itself. A hundred percent. Yeah. The uh, when we did our very very first rendition of our comic, not even like that one was never printed. Um, we uh, <laughs> I I went through and colored that and like oh my god, like I got through. I, I don't even I don't think I even colored the whole thing. I think I only like started it. I think we ended up handing that off, didn't we? You colored like no, I did not pay to get that colored. Okay, so maybe I did color that whole whole comic. It was like six pages, and it was like, yeah, yeah it's it's so time consuming. And if you don't like really yeah. enjoy doing just that, like it's, yeah, you're just like, oh god, dots, and just like tracing the black lines, and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, the, and and if you're getting like the full colorings and renderings, um, that's like, that requires like real talent and and real oh, yeah. um, understanding color theory, um. You know, and I, I'm, I, there's no way I could do that. Um, but just with the black colors, definitely, um, it's just tedious. And, and like, my time is not really worth that, you know. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, so I, I did hire somebody to do the flats. Um, do you do the halftone uh, after? Or, um, like, are you the one that renders the halftones? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did the halftones, yeah. Very cool. Um, so so the, the first story... The first story actually was supposed to go into an anthology last year that didn't come out. And so, so our colorist actually did um, something like a halftone, but also made it look kind of old and put little uh, little burn marks and stuff like that on the pages. Um, uh, so, so I, I didn't touch that one. I didn't put a filter on that one. Um, but then the other two, yeah, I did. <clears throat> But it's pretty easy to do. So they they actually like burnt the actual pages, like they made it like no 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 no. <laughs> no she she works digitally, but but yeah it's it's um it, you know how you, if you keep a comic around for a while it gets these little brown marks on it yeah like, that's kind of what she was doing with it. So. I was curious because I've, I've actually seen some books uh, like actual books where they, they'll have like stuff like frayed edges like that are that they they look very natural but like um you know this one. Like, I don't know if you can even see this there, but see how it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like intentionally frayed on the ends and like, uh, offset. It's, it's very, yeah, that's a little bit much for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we went, we went about 80% of the way with it, but, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the pages are going to be okay. Um, I actually got a proof copy already, but I, I was just looking for it. I can't find it now. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I might have put it away somewhere. Um, yeah, I actually have to. I have to fix some stuff about it because 
Um, all the colors were in RGB, and I changed it to CMYK. But um, um, but yeah, so so it looks, um, it, you know, the pages are in good condition, and it's not newsprint. Um, but yeah, it's still glossy, relatively glossy. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 got those kind of marks on it where it seems a little bit old. Nice. I'm just waiting. Like you just get a bunch of them to your place first, and you just keep bending them for like a couple yeah, of hours. Yeah. Like gotta make, gotta break yeah. them in, gotta make yeah. these things natural. Yeah, I'll change. I'll change the fulfillment time to like 70 years from now. Yeah, and uh, I'll just give them to you then. And you're just gonna have your kids. you just gonna have your kids read them over and over again. That that'll that'll mess them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, they'll be missing pages at that point. Uh, yeah, then it's a real old comic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, I, so like being being into history and being a historian, like I always, I, I do almost all my comics period pieces. I'm always fighting with myself to do something that's like I really want to make this like era appropriate. Like I want to make it looks like look, I came for them. And then I have this other side of me that's just pragmatic, and it's like that's insane. Like you can't do that, you know. And and so I usually end up someplace in between. Um, I had a, one comic I did. So, so part of some, like, about half the comics do are black and white, um, and half of them are in color. Um, and I did a black and white comic that was, I really wanted it to look like, um, there was a really early comic in the 1840s. Um, I really wanted it to look like that. And there were no speech balloons in it. There were just captions at the bottom. So I was like, I, I want to do something like that, but I also don't want to narrate every panel. So, so, um, so I was like, I want to have dialogue, but, but I want it to be obvious who's saying it. So I just put everything in boxes and, and didn't have tails or anything else and, and put quotation marks around them and then put them sort of near the people that were saying them. Um, and, and that was, that was my, that was my compromise solution to that. Um, but yeah, with every comic, it's like that, like, um. Like I, I did, I did a comic. It's about um, a woman that has um, schizophrenia with delusions and hallucinations, and and that's kind of like the whole. Um, that's the whole premise of the story is whether what what she's experiencing hallucination. Of. So um, I talked to one of my friends from high school who was a who is who was a psychiatrist, and he sees patients like this, and so we like we're like really trying to make it uh, so that it seems believable. Um, I think that was like the only one that wasn't a period piece, and I and I and I overcompensated by trying to make it like really accurate as far as um, the psychiatry in it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's it's always my problem is I is I'm like too I get I get too focused on those kind of things, and and then I have to sort of like talk myself off the cliff and tell myself I'm just like I'm actually trying to tell a story, you know, like like we're not we're not just trying to like. Uh, show historical documents, you know. So. Yeah, well, at least you've uh, been, you know, you're getting stuff printed, though. There's some people that get so caught up in that that they never even get to the end. So that's definitely still a leap ahead of them. Yeah, I have to force myself. I have to say, like, okay, you're done. You're done with this. I have to set myself a deadline. Um, because I have a comic um, that I've been working on for two years. Um, and, it, and so it, 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 half of it takes place during World War One. And half of it takes place uh, at the end of the 15th century. So then I was like, I had to research both times, and it was taking forever. And and at, at some point I was like, I have to stop doing this. I have to write the script. So that's what I forced myself to do, um, because you know, like, and 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 two of the characters are Irish. So I was like, I was like, all right, let's look and look up Irish slang in during one, and like, you know, I was doing this whole thing. And and I eventually like I can't do this like no one understands this comic you know so so I had to just kind of like be like I'm just I'm just gonna write this like in American English you know and and, and like in modern American English so people understand it um you know and I, and so I think that's when I started making progress with it it was when I just had to force myself and say stop researching um it's something that I call research paralysis. Because I, I started, I started it in, in grad school actually. Because when you know you have a paper due, and you kind of just putting it off forever, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I, I need to read another book, you know. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I feel, I, I feel you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I need, I need, a, I need a, um, or, or worse, like you're like, oh, I'm gonna buy this book, and then you never read it, you know. But you feel like you accomplished something, you know. <laughs> like, like I got this book. I read one that was similar, but I got this one. Yeah, that, that, that's what the bottom shelves are for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got the that last, that last one. Yep. Yeah, you get the last question. Uh, well, you kind of were talking about the creation process, but uh, what is something you learned when starting the comic creation process in the beginning? Um, I think something I learned. Uh, as far as about creation or... or um, it could be anything about the comic book industry, about the creation. Yeah, so I, I think the, the major thing I learned was to shop around first for artists. Um, I, I don't dislike any of the artists I got, but I, I definitely overspent at the beginning. Um, so, so I think, <clears throat> you know, you kind of have to work within your budget. Um, and, and that's... That's uh, something that I've made a lot of progress on, um, because you have to be realistic about how many you're going to sell, you know, um, because you don't want to price them too high. Like I price my kind of high. Uh, most of them are like six to eight dollars. Um, but uh, and people pay it and nobody has given me any any problems about it. Uh, but but um, even at those prices, like you have to be realistic about how many you're going to sell. So you don't want to be spending like a ton of money. Um, you know, on a comic where you're only going to sell, you know, you're only going to sell a hundred copies ever, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, we first printed the first issue, like what our Kickstarter was before the Kickstarter happened. Um, we wanted to get like critiques on like what could have changed, which we changed, uh, the lettering. So we sent, like, we asked a couple people like, do you want this comic? <laughs> and like 30 people are like, I want to read it. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Um, and, uh, some people were like family and some people were just like random people that I'd like, they were like in my grade and stuff from like middle school or high school or whatever, but I never actually talked to them. And this one girl, I was completely surprised that she actually liked comics at all. And she's like, Oh no, I like like comics and like superheroes and like all that shit. I was like, the fuck and uh, i was like oh, okay i'll send it to you and she's like that was like amazing i was like uh, okay what was wrong with it though <laughs> and she uh she's like no i like that like everything and then um uh my friend that runs effective nerd uh it's like a blog for like indie comics and all that other stuff um he said something about the lettering and a couple other people said stuff about the lettering. Mostly, like, comic creators said that. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Dylan did the lettering, and that was basically <laughs> the only thing that was wrong. But now um, we had someone look at it again, and they found a, some little critiques. So you, if you, like, dive deep into it, which Dylan does when he, like, looks at the script in the first place, um, you can find these little critiques of like oh you can like always make something better um so we changed the lettering that's why we did that kickstarter basically was to change the lettering and make it more professional looking <laughs> um and uh where was i going with that <laughs> um wow the fuck what you learned about yeah so i learned that um and you should actually get a letterer because they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with the lettering. The lettering is really critical. And I, I wish that I had done the lettering on the first one a lot different. Um, uh, there, there's a lot of problems with it. Um, but I kind of decided I was just going to move forward. Um, I, at some point, I, maybe I, I want to redo the lettering and redo like a different edition. Because um, that comic is one that I still have not met the production costs on. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I'm not the best letter. I, I have, I have part of it. Um, part of it was that, that I, I, I did the lettering for a lot of these comics in kind of non-standard ways. Um, because they were supposed to look different. Um, but 
again, it's it's just all it's all a it's all a pragmatic um, versus like artistic pull again. Um, uh, there's definitely good and bad ways to do lettering. Um, okay, uh, and and I've had some people look at it and it seems okay. Uh, so it's uh, you know if you look at a Golden Age comic and we actually looked at specifically the ones that these characters appeared in. Um, and try to so so we actually have three different sort of dialogue and lettering styles uh, in terms of the dialogue the shapes and sizes of dialogue balloons um, we did them differently in each story to uh, match the era what's that to, to match the originals you mean uh, yeah 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 to match the match the kind of different styles then um, you know, something else about the Golden Age comics is it you know aside from the tropes not being established like a lot of the sort of tradecraft wasn't established either. So, so um, you know, you'd have people who look at it now and say it looks like crap. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time, it's just because everybody was kind of doing their own thing. And, and nobody really, there was nobody who was like, oh, you can't do it this way, you can't do it that way. Um, so, yeah, so some of these comics, uh, everything is left justified, which is really interesting. Because um, usually, usually you have things that are center justified, but in some of them they were center justified. Um, in some of them, you actually had captions that were different colors in every panel, which I think is really interesting. Uh, uh, so we did a little of that. Um, uh, something that they really were fairly consistent on is that now you tend to have uh, one circle for each, mostly for each sentence, sometimes two sentences uh, if they're small. Um, but then they usually just had one circle for all the sentences. So uh, that was probably the major thing we did differently. Um, something else is one of those stories is that, um, so in one of the original King of Darkness stories, the tails had these little um, little rounded uh, semicircles on each side of the tail. Uh, so we did that and that was extremely frustrating, uh, but we did do that um, and, and because they were hand-drawn, they, they were different sizes uh, for each bubble, so kind of varied them a little bit. Uh, so I, I think the lettering is really interesting in this. And, and I don't know if it's good, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. It's good that you still did the research, though, because that's the thing that, uh, like, I did, like, the most middle, minimalist research when I did the lettering just because we were trying to get it done. And uh, that's why, like, getting the, an actual letterist that, you know, knew all the rules and stuff. Because, like, there was tons of stuff I just didn't know because I didn't look into it deep enough. But, you know, the fact that you even, like, looked into the old comics, got old comics, and, like, this is how they do it. Like, that alone can severely help with, uh, you know, what, what you're working with. Yeah, and it, and it helps to pretty much all of these old public domain comics are available online for free. So, you know, there's just tons and tons of stuff for you to look at so and that's something else i had to stop myself from doing it's like like i just i'm not gonna read all of these like i read all the appearances of the characters um and, and it wasn't that many comics really like less than you know it was probably less than 100 pages total all these characters you know because when they when they were in a story it was six six or eight pages so nice is there a site you go to for the uh comics the public domain ones yeah, there's two different ones. Uh, one is digitalcomicmuseum.com. Uh, the other one is comicbookplus.com. Um, and that they the and what they're was in TV. What's that? What was that first one digital comics? What? Digitalcomicmuseum.com. Museum. Yeah, and the other one is comicbookplus.com. Um, and they're they're both uh, free to use, uh, but they do accept donations. Um, and they're and they're kind of crowdsourced, so a lot of people have different comics, and they have they have uh, scanned them in, and they're mostly in CBR and CBZ formats. You need a CBR reader, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, once you get on there, I mean, some people are just taking those and uh, printing them up, and you know, making uh, making new new copies of them. I, that's that's fine to do. It's all public domain stuff, uh, so. That was very um, cool. Do you, do you know who um, Tim Ferriss is? Uh, Tim who? Tim Ferriss. Uh, he wrote the Four uh, Hour no. Workweek. What? No. Okay. Yeah. He, he wrote the Four Hour Workweek. Uh, uh, it's a, one of like the. He, he's written like five best-selling books. I got like a, I'm pretty sure I got all of them now. But uh, yeah, they're all they're all like, you know, 
this friggin' bag, you know, like huge, like encyclopedic books. But um, what he did too is uh, he went through like the old, um, like like uh, phil- philosophy books, like Seneca's, there uh, was Letters of a Stoic, uh, you know, Meditations, all those, all those books that are public domain. And he uh, got them all like rewritten in PDF that you can download for free, and I think you can buy the physical books. Like, yeah, it, it is cool. Even like, because yeah, they're not being used anymore, and people could still appreciate them. So printing them up new is still very cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But anyways, uh, I think that's all the questions we have. But uh, definitely, we want to make sure people know where to find you. So. Uh, what uh? What places can people get you online? Uh, so uh, this kick, the Kickstarter now is at uh, superheresies.com, um, and uh, my company website is at heresystudiosllc.com, um, and uh, I have a Twitter at heresystudiosll because I ran out of characters, <laughs> um, and then uh, I have a Facebook heresystudiosllc. Uh, I also have a, a Facebook page, uh, The Order of Dracula, uh, for our first comic, and we're going to be doing a, a second comic as a sequel to it um, called A Crusade of Dracula. Uh, um, and then, uh, uh, let's see, I have an Instagram, Heresy, Studio, Heresy Studios LLC Comics. Um, I think I have a Tumblr, but, you know. <laughs> What's Tumblr? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's great. So, uh, yeah, thank, thanks for joining us. We'll keep you on for a couple more moments, but uh, we're going to cut the podcast. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for having me.